Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and colleague and co-worker, co-author, no longer co-worker exactly, although we did that many years ago. That's right. Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a program that we do every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern as a live broadcast, and then it's available on various podcast outlets and for replay on YouTube and Facebook. And it's an opportunity for us to share with you and to have a conversation with you because we very much like to hear from our audience members and dialogue with them about this very painful loss that goes often misunderstood in our society. So this is an opportunity for us to share recommendations and experiences and guidance when it comes to pet loss. It's also a way for us to extend the reach of the learning that we shared in our book, The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. Nancy led pet loss groups for 30 years. I led them for 11 or 12 years. And so we have a wealth of experience in this area. And we also very much encourage you to get in touch with us, to send us your stories, to send us your questions, your recommendations for, for topics. You can reach me at Ken ddv at gmail.com and you can reach nancy at n saxton lopez that's n-s-a-x-t-o-n-l-o-p-e-z at csmpc.com we like to let you know too that this program is a friend of dakin humane society in springfield massachusetts dakin is a 501c three community supported animal welfare organization that provides a range of services, including shelter and medical care and spay neuter services and behavioral rehab for more than 20,000 animals and people each year. Since it was opened in 1969, Dakin has become one of the most recognized nonprofit organizations in central Massachusetts and a national leader in animal welfare. You can learn more about Dakin, and I hope you will, by going to dakinhumane.org. That's D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E dot O-R-G. You could also make a donation there. We'd like to let you know that you can subscribe to this, this broadcast on YouTube, and we'd be happy to have you do that. You can also make a donation to support the work that we're doing here, and there's a link on our description of the program that will get you to the place where you can do that. So I think that's all, Nancy, <laughs> <A> <laughs> all our opening for today. So can you so get us started? <laughs> tonight, we're going to look at grief and depression mm -hmm. um, because there are some differences and there are some similarities right? Mm -hmm. And to preface this, of course, the last two years, almost two years, has been, there's been an explosion um, in people who have now suffering from mental health issues, from emotional issues. Um, therapists have been you know, so inundated with people reaching out for help um, because of what's happened in, in our world, um, you know, the issues that come up when you're home all the time with family, you know, the, the kids who are home and don't have any social activities. <clears throat> I mean, there's just been so much that's going on. In fact, the New York Times uh, wellness group, I think, did a study of 
and a survey of 1,300, and it was a little more than that, therapists across the country. And they all said that it's just been so, you know, so, you know, outlandish how many people have tried to reach out um, to get some help. And they're all, people are so anxious, people are so depressed, you know, about and so many things going on. And when you have already a mental illness, right, that's even mm-hmm. more difficult and challenging. But one out of five, or excuse me, one, uh, 85% of people that go to a general practitioner usually have a mental health issue, emotional issue, or a core morbid issue. So that's a lot. That's a very high number. And another number that I've been, you know, seeing, and I don't quote me, but it, it used to be about one in five people in the United States uh, are on medication. And now I think it's about one in three. So that's exploded also over the past so many years. Yeah, I mean, I, I can comment that when I worked in the corporate setting, I worked at Prudential for many years and was responsible for the behavioral health programming and services for the uh, the domestic population of the company and and did a lot of work outside in connection with other people who were in the world of mental health and and getting people the help that they need in that regard we talked a great deal about the incidence of mental health issues in general and also the the ways that our workplaces are incredibly pressurizing people and are many workplaces are trying to destigmatize mental health but at the same time one of my pet peeves is that so many workplaces are contributing to mental health issues because of the outrageous demands for productivity and also the fact that many people in leadership roles are just not very skilled at leading people and so as you said, depression and mental health issues are rife in our population. And the World Health Organization reported in 2015, and I've seen this report consistently since then, that depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. Yeah. yeah. So many, many, many people live with this. And one of the first things I think it's so important to say is that, you know, we, as you said, when people have any sort of major health concern, whether it's cancer or heart disease or diabetes or some kind of skeletomuscular or muscular skeletal problem, they almost universally are going to have some concurrent mental health concerns with that depression, anxiety, trauma symptoms. I mean, all of these things go together. So the whole distinction between health, medical health and mental health is really something that is has grown out of stigma and right. we need to let go of it and realize that health is health and these things are really false distinctions mm-hmm. and it's really important for us to look at health in a very holistic way and we we hopefully are moving in that direction but well, it's a slow this, this slog year, i think this year will be the year of mental health because we're still in covid we're now dealing with two years, almost two years of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for healthcare workers or frontline people, I mean, how much do have they been able have to take um, over a period of time? And so a lot of that in the healthcare business is PTSD. 
Um, you know, so, but to go back to what we're, we're talking about as far as grief and um, mental health and depression is that, you know, the, the symptoms are somewhat related. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a fine distinction between grief, um, com complicated grief and depression. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. some of those symptoms and we do mental health checks, you know, or evaluations. And some of these questions we ask people when we're looking for depression, right? Mm -hmm. um, but they're also there for grieving. Mm -hmm. And that is changes in appetite, right? Mm -hmm. um, they may, you may not eat at all, or you may eating too much. Mm -hmm. um, changes in sleep. Yeah. You can't sleep well, or you're sleeping too much. You know, some kind of change. Um, an inability to concentrate. Right, yep. you, you, there you can't focus. Um, uh, fatigue, low energy, can't motivate, can't get out of bed sometimes. Um, there's a loss of interest in things that you may have liked to do in the mm -hmm. past. Um, feelings of hopelessness, um, feelings of despair. Um, bouts of sa of sadness, anger, guilt. We've talked a lot about those mm -hmm. feelings and grief, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes there's an agitated depression. Yeah, anxiety. Just a, a, a general ang anxiety, a general tension. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, irritation, annoyed, mm -hmm. pissy, you know, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of, that, those kind of symptoms. Um, sometimes there is in the groups, we have had people that, are passively potentially suicidal, right? Yeah. So they would say, I wish I was with him mm -hmm. or I wish I could leave and be with, with her. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to kind of, you know, really pay attention to. Sure. Because yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean that there is a plan or right. there is going to be a, you know, a behavior with that. But that's not an uncommon thing mm -hmm. for for a person to be so bereft that they really just want to leave and, and they want to be with their animal. And, and I'll just throw in that if that's the case for you or for somebody who you're close to, you want to take it seriously. Mm -hmm. the, the reality is that people who actually do try to do something self-destructive have almost universally talked about mm -hmm. their suicidal feelings with others beforehand. So it's not that everybody who talks about it actually takes action, but everybody who takes action pretty much has talked about it. So you want to take it very seriously. Absolutely. And I say that because there used to be a kind of a myth that if you talk about it, you're probably not actually going to do anything self-destructive. And that is absolutely a myth. So you want to ask a person. Are you okay? Any, right. Are you, are you okay? Plans? Do you have any plans? Have you done anything that sounds like a rehearsal? Mm -hmm. for for what could be very dangerous action toward yourself and and so very very important to take it seriously and actually have you given stuff away mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. um sometimes a, an indicator is a person taking their animal to a vet to be euthanized yeah yeah because it's they're ending all of their relationships they're you know um so there and are signs and that is not what we're just talking about, this extreme. That is not normal grief. No. That has crossed a boundary into a very significant mental health crisis. Exactly. 
and that needs to be addressed urgently. So other things are just having a hard time functioning, right? Yeah. You know, there yeah. are behavioral issues, physical issues, emotional issues. When you're grieving, you just are out of sorts. You know, you feel like there's a hole in you, your, your arm is off, and you just really have a hard time functioning. And you don't go out. We talked a lot about that about the holidays. You don't have to go out. You don't have to go to a party. You don't, you don't have to, you know, to, you know, mm -hmm. have a big dinner at your house because you don't feel like it. Right. right? And when you're sad and you're and you're grieving and you're upset. Who wants to do that? Um, now, sometimes, you know, it's hard, the shock and denial. I, you know, we're not, I'm not believing that my cat has died or my dog is no longer here. And then you get physical manifestations, headaches, migraines. Stomach aches. Right. Back aches. Um, bowel right. and gut problems. problems. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but depression is like that too, as well as grieving. However, yeah, the difference. Let's talk about the there difference. There is a difference. Okay. So, we already talked about suicidality. That's a difference. Yeah, right. And that, yeah. and that certainly is, as unfortunately, a yeah. symptom of depression. Yep. But it's more exaggerated. Okay. So the person feels worthless. Right. You know, they, they have no, they're empty. They don't have any way to see themselves out of how they're feeling. Right. It's so dark. It's unrelenting right i mean right. it's just there are no moments of of distraction there's no moments where there's a glimmer of i can see i can see a brightness in the world the the way that i've always looked at it is in keeping with the diagnostic description if if you are incapacitated with all the things that we're talking about you cannot function you don't feel a moment of relent of this down, low energy, not being able to feel pleasure. It doesn't relent for a moment. For two weeks, you deserve to see a therapist yes. and be evaluated. You deserve to talk to your physician and talk about whether or not you should be referred to a professional or whether or not it makes sense for you to indeed perhaps try some medication that would be helpful. So that, that if you, if it's unrelenting, if it won't, if, if, if you can't, do the normal things that you would usually do in your life for a period of two weeks or more, you deserve to yes. get evaluated for depression. Yeah. To get some help. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, and also all of the things we had talked about in grieving, all those symptoms, it's much more exaggerated Yeah, when you're depressed. Yeah. It, it, it interrupts your ability to, get yourself up and showered and functioning in the morning. It will interrupt your ability to take care of any dependents who may be part of your household or part of your sphere of concern. It will make it hard for you to do the basics to make sure that you're, that you're able to function at work or your usual activities, or even to feed yourself regularly. Exactly. That, that clinical depression take is care of yourself. really right. destructive problem and it gets in the way of the basics exactly um you also low self-esteem i mean mm -hmm. just that goes with worthlessness i'm you know I, why am i here you know why am i living um and that goes into helplessness and powerless right and powerlessness mm -hmm. i mean you there's there's nothing that is redeeming in their life right um or it could be agitation 
that goes mm -hmm. into over, you know, like a ex exacerbated or exaggerated, you know, agitation. And also fatigue is much more. Um, Incapacitating. Yeah. Incapacitating right. fatigue. I mean, it's also important to note that there's a whole, there, to make things a little more complicated, there's a whole range of. Depression. Of degree. Yes. In all of this. So, so many people will live with something that is fair, that is fairly ongoing. So depression, there's different, there's di different names for right. the classification. So you, you may live with a low grade depression and, yeah. and you may, you may live with a mood disorder where your moods go up and down. And we've talked about how that's something I've been diagnosed with. I, 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 I believe that most therapists, have or, something we, going on. <laughs> most therapists get into this field because we're trying to, trying to heal ourselves, out. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I've been in therapy a lot individually with my husband, and I think it's really helpful. And and uh, once I, I was talking with my therapist uh, several years ago, and I said, "So, what's my diagnosis? Is it is it ADHD?" Uh, attention deficit disorder with hyperactivity because I'm very, very hyper a lot of the time. He said, no, 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 because you actually get a lot done. So it's cyclothymia. Which so is a low level. Low level bipolar. <laughs> it really fits because that's that's true. I mean, I've had some very, a few very, very down moments, but for the most part, my issue is about scatter and being so... I, I'm not taking medication now. I did take medication for about three years and it was helpful. And, and so well, you learn I, how to manage it, right? Yeah, you navigate so, your life around it. I mean, and I share, I just share all that because I believe we, we have, should have no stigma about right. I mean, I've got, I live with migraines and if I need to, I take medication for that. Right. I have exactly. whatever health conditions you have, you should, you should get the right assistance for it and well, have no shame about it. <laughs> Well, that's it. And I tell people because everyone gets freaked out when, oh my mm -hmm. God, I have depression or I have anxiety mm -hmm. or I, I'm bipolar or, or I have schizoaffective disorder or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I, when I talked to him about it, I said, it's the medication is there to help you, but it's a brain disorder. Like mm -hmm. you could have diabetes as a chronic disorder, right? You could have diabetes. Well, you take insulin for diabetes, right? Yep. Yep. If you have migraines, you took a particular painkiller for migraines. If you have you know, um, kidney disease. I mean, so I try to normalize that for people. Like it's just something that your neurotransmitters course, yeah. work well yeah. in your brain. Yeah. And, and it's also important to have the support of people who can provide you with guidance. And that's what a therapist is. So if you, exactly. if you have a physical issue and you need some training, you're going to see a physical therapist or a coach or some kind of physician. If you if you want to work on your diet, you're going to see a nutritionist. So if you want to work on your relational, emotional health, hopefully you're going to see a therapist. Right. And therapy really is helpful, you know, for people. People who have depression, I believe it's 80% of people who, who have depression and seek help, which is usually some combination of Medication, medication and therapy. talk therapy will see very significant benefits as a result. The problem is that still many, many people, people don't, don't get the right. help that they deserve. That's right. That's right. And and then and then that kind of that kind of 
segues into complicated grieving, which also borders on depression because there it's it's all to do with the loss or it could mm -hmm. be multiple losses, right? Mm -hmm. um, which we've seen a lot of recently, it seems. Right. Yeah. yeah, many losses together. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's complicated in the fact that it's so intense that life has no meaning, right? Yeah. Or there's a lack of trust or there's an inability to enjoy anything or you become detached um, and you can't focus. Everything is about the loss and mm -hmm. the death. Mm -hmm. So as you go through it now, it, it, the grief is kind of, you could say it's a, a reactive depressive symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, but as you go through the grief, if if you can't, like you said, it can go in and it can go into depression, but also it could be complicated grieving. Right. Because right. there are similarities to that, except in, in the complicated grieving is all about the loss. You know, depression is more pervasive in right. in the whole context of of your life and how you function. And and the thing to keep in mind, the way I the way I think about this is, if you are if you are really struggling, why not see a helping professional? It's not going to hurt you; it can only help you. And it, so that's that's the way I think about this. I mean, it's a it's great to participate in a grief support group to use this kind of resource that we are providing here to read about healing and what's normal and grief. But if you're finding that you could benefit from more, then seek more. Yes. Seek a therapist, seek a counselor, somebody who can provide guidance to you because there's no downside to it. And if you don't find it helpful, then you stop that connection. Or you may, you may need, uh, you know, we had someone that contacted us and I think that that person was in treatment for the loss of, of one of her cats, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then she was, um, had, had anxiety. Um, but she said the person did not really understand pet loss grief. Yeah. And you know, that always kind of freaks me out because <laughs> I kind of feel like therapists should be well skilled at helping people with grief of all sorts and and they should also have the wherewithal to not be judgmental about whatever the loss is but it it seems like there are people who are therapists and really don't understand or or kind of can't get their head around the loss of an animal companion so it's a good idea and i know that in this case you've referred this person a number of Op, another of options local right. to her. She's not in this country, actually. So good work in that regard and finding some resources. Yeah. <laughs> actually, it's pretty easy. I was like, wow, they have a lot there, you know. Um, but I'm working with someone right now, too, who has actually never had an animal. And mm -hmm. she's going through a lot. And she decided she's going to move. But she said, I'm going to get an animal. And then she said, and I was in the mall. And somebody had a dog in a stroller. Mm -hmm. and so I'm like, you see a lot of that these days. So I said to her, I said, okay, I get that you were like, kind of like, what does that mean? And that's kind of crazy, right? I said, you get a dog, 
a small dog and you give it some months and I want to talk to you when you have your stroller. Okay. So, but hey, she's starting. She, you know, she's at her 40s. She's never had an animal. Okay. So, but, um, but that, you know, I mean, that's, uh, that's who we are. That's who, what we love. That, you know, we take care of our animals. And if that yeah. means take a ride in a stroller, there's nothing wrong with that. right? And now. when we lose them, we lose a lot. We lose an important, important relationship. And, and when we, when we have, I just bought my dog a coat. I had went to the pet store and I had to try on all these different. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> Cause we're taking these long walks and it was, what was it? It was like 18 degrees a couple of days ago. And, oh, and, yeah, it was cold. and I love to take long walks with Hildy, my puppy. And, and I said, you know, I actually called my vet and asked if I should get a coat because a trainer, when I went to puppy kindergarten, I asked that person and she said, you know, it's a kind of a, it's kind of hard to know because you don't want them to overheat. And at the same time, you don't want them to be too cold. So my vet actually knows my puppy. And she said, it, it wouldn't be a bad idea when it's really cold. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And it can get cold, right? Yeah, very cold here. It can be negative 21 here in the wilds of Western uh, Massachusetts. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> but I also want, we also need to talk when you already have. Yes. You've been diagnosed with a, a mm -hmm. emotional or mental health issue mm -hmm. and you have a loss then you want to be, and hopefully you're in treatment. The first thing is if you're not in treatment, it would be helpful to get in treatment. Mm -hmm. um, if you are, you may want to talk to your therapist or your doctor around tweaking medication or seeing you talking more than once a week or whatever that yeah, is. Just let them know for sure. Yeah. What's going, you should let. Because I mean, it could you, exacerbate. Yeah, you, know? you should let, if you're seeing a treating professional, you probably want to let them know about any major change yeah. or loss in your life so that that's that's important um but i mean mental we're all we all have a degree of mental health issues we all do. well it's kind of like health is a health is a very dynamic dimension mm -hmm. of our lives right and health crosses many dimensions emotional, physical, spiritual. social, spiritual, mm -hmm. one you could add financial too, because mm -hmm. it's really important to be financially stable. And so these, we are at different points across these dimensions at different times in our life. And so, and they're also very connected. They're very interwoven. And so if we have any of these, any concerns, uh, we should be taking care of ourselves regarding them and we should be taking care of ourselves the way i see it without any shame or or stigma i'll throw in addiction too i mean many oh, addiction yeah. is rife in our society people are there's so much addiction uh, to all different kinds of to substances to gambling, gambling to internet spending, to sex to you know all everything every behavior you can imagine there <laughs> is I have a friend who's addicted to shoes. I'm sort of kidding, but not really. But <laughs> well, you could be. <laughs> and, and you you've gotta watch, you've gotta watch that. But but there's a I don't know what the percentage is, and I believe it's hard to actually to to identify a percentage because the category is so expansive. But we deserve to get help for whatever our issue may be. And there's all kinds of help available for all kinds of 
conditions, whether it's an addiction or an anxiety problem or depression or some combination thereof with tied to a health, a more traditionally identified health concern, you know, medical concern. Well, that's what happens when people go to, you know, they come into the ER with chest pain, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not Mm -hmm. a heart attack, it's anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. going to your general practitioner, they find that a lot of times there's a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. You know, we all we all have a degree of it. I mean, mm-hmm. some, for some others, it's, it's some it's it's more profound, right? It's yeah. it's, it's yeah. more problematic, and for and all we all have blue days. We all have difficulty at times, um, and there are stressors, and that can yep. exacerbate things. Yeah, so absolutely. It, and like Ken, you know, you said, I mean, it's it's hoping that people will get the message that we've been saying all night tonight is to really get some help if you need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't no no shame, no stigma. Take care. We need to take care of ourselves. Right. Now, um, we have a surprise for next week. Next week we have an animal communicator mm-hmm. joining us. So there will be somebody in addition to the two of us, uh, we will be having a woman by the name of Zan Ottaway come and talk with us about her work. as a communicator. So that will be very interesting indeed. And she's a very interesting person. So we look forward to hosting her next week. (laughs) And we hope what we've we've imparted tonight for you guys is is helps, you know, gives you some foundation and background and and what grieving is and and where it leads to potential mental, mental health issues. Yeah. The connection, the boundary, the differences and the and the great similarities as well, many times. So Nancy, it's always great talking with you. you And we'll look forward to having our conversation next week with our new friend, Zan. Okay, take care.